Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined on the program by Tyler Simmons. Tyler is the Director of Player Development and the Catching Coordinator at Charlotte in Conference USA. Uh, I'll give you a quick background on Coach Simmons before we jump into questions with him. He is a native of Charlotte, North Carolina. He played collegiately at Wingate University. I guess if you're from down there, it's Wingate, but uh, for me, I'll say Wingate. Uh, he was there from spring of 2011 through 2016. Wingate is a, a Division II just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Also, while he was there, he was a catcher, first baseman, and DH. In the spring of 2017, he was hired to be the volunteer assistant and catching coordinator at UNC Charlotte. Charlotte. He was there from the from the 2017 season to the 2019 season as the volunteer. Hired in July 2019 uh, to be the director of player development by Coach Robert Woodward. Woodard. Um, Coach Simmons, I appreciate being on the podcast with us today. I appreciate you having me. Excited. Uh, well, I typically like to start with something from the bio that stands out, and and for you, I would just like to ask how exactly you made the jump from Wingate to Charlotte. Typically when guys get their first job, it's uh, you know a lot of times at the school where they played or it's at a similar school or at a school in their conference or, or you know a school where they know somebody or their head coach knows somebody. But that's a pretty good jump to go from a Division II school to go to a school in Conference USA. Can you, do you mind just talking about how that happened, how you got the opportunity to make that jump and take the volunteer job at Charlotte? Absolutely. Um so my dad and um, Coach Hibbs, who used to be the coach here, they had a a pretty decent relationship. My dad's been a high school coach here in Charlotte, going on his 30, 30 years at Charlotte Christian School, which is a high school not too far from from the campus here. And um, got in touch with Coach Hibbs. I knew they didn't have a volunteer. Um, coach Gregory at Wingate helped me out as well, get in touch with, with Coach Hibbs and sent Coach Hibbs a few emails while I was playing and just let him know that I would be interested in the spot. Was able to continue those conversations and summer hit and I was fortunate enough to um, have Coach Hibbs offer me the uh, volunteer position. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It helps to know somebody, and it helps when your dad knows some people too, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's, it was um, it was fun, man. Jumped right into two kids' camps and kind of never looked back from there. But obviously, you know, you've you've held your own since you've gotten there, and have done a great job, and have been since promoted to be the director of player development. Now, for people that maybe aren't familiar with that player, you know, director of player development jobs in college really only exist at you know, Power Five and, and similar type schools. You're not going to find director of player development at most mid-major uh, Division One, small Division Ones, and any in any division besides Division One. Would you just be able to tell people a little bit about your position, like what uh, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, how exactly it works, what kind of restrictions you might have as far as on-field, off-field stuff? Just give people an idea of what a director of player development does in a college program. For sure. Um, so. A lot of this position was um, a lot of a lot of thanks to that ghost of Coach Woodard. He was very forward thinking, and when he got the job, it was um, it was a position that he kind of brought with him and um, offered me, and I couldn't turn it down. Um, having a chance to work with Coach Woodard and, and stay here in Charlotte, in a city that's near and dear to my heart, was was a dream come true for me. Um, so in my position, um, Coach Woodard and I, we talked about it. For me, it's it's kind of a chance to coach the coaching staff and um, different aspects that are coming up through the um, through the college baseball ranks. Technology being a a major factor. Um, so I go through. I try to stay. I try to stay up to date as much as possible with the technology and kind of. Anything new that comes across the board or coming down the pipeline, I 
keep Coach Woodard involved with that. Um, and we kind of helped. I helped him kind of break those things down and um, kind of filter through, if that makes sense, on what technology is going to be good for us to implement immediately, uh, what we should be saving up for, and anything new that's coming down. Tech nowadays, it's it's so essential, <clears throat> but so expensive. <laughs> a lot of the things that are available, I mean, there are some things that I think are pretty well priced and are pretty affordable, but there are some uh, some major things that are that aren't you know necessarily uh, very affordable. That again, only only a school that's really got a, a pretty good budget is able to to get and, and implement with their guys. I know it's not. Uh, you know, not like you can't run a program without it, but like what an advantage to be in a program that can afford some of the things that I'm sure you guys can afford. So, Coach Simmons, what what kind of um, what kind of tech are you guys using there? Like, what are you um, what 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 programs are you using with your guys? Like, what are your favorite toys that you have there at Charlotte to be able to gather and you know gather data um, uh, and just and just I guess. Look, take a deeper look at what your players are doing and how you can make them better. Yeah, I, I definitely have some favorites when it comes to technology. Um, from a hitting standpoint, Blast is probably number one on my list. Um, so Blast is a it's a sensor that goes on the end of the knob of the bat, and it tracks all pre-contact data. So it tracks hand speed, it tracks connection score, um, bat pass, time to contact, and it's something we've do- we've dove in pretty heavily here with our hitters. Um, it, those scores help us create individualized plans for our hitters. Helps us get an idea of what they're working on, what they're working with, and when when they kind of get to the spot we want them to get, it helps us keep them there. Um, another thing we use pretty heavily is Rapsodo hitting as well. What we've done here is we've paired Rapsodo and Blast kind of together to give us a full picture of the swing. So if you're not familiar with Rapsodo, Rapsodo tracks post-contact. So by pairing Rapsodo and Blast, we're able to see pre- and post-contact metrics, which helps us dive into the full picture of the swing from a data standpoint. Um, and including with those things, we also use a lot of film. We use a lot of high-speed camera um, video work. We've got a Sony RX100 camera that um, it takes 960 frames per second is what we're able to see with that. And it helps us slow the swing down and really break swings down with guys. And then from a pitching standpoint, we use Rapsodo very heavily. Um, Coach Miney, who we just brought on, and Coach Woodard, they use that very heavily with the pitchers. We also have Rapsodo Insight, which which is a high-speed camera that connects straight to our Rapsodo unit. That's awesome that you have access to all that stuff. And uh, I've got to imagine that you almost you need a full-time person to be able to implement all of this stuff to the degree that you'd like to um you know i'm sure that if you you know an organization any any college team a lot of college teams use this data and i'm sure they have coaches that are looking into it and coaches that know what they're talking about coaches that know what they're doing but to really be able to dive into it i mean it seems frankly it seems like a full-time job it seems like something that you can just you could get lost in all of the, in a good way, because there's so much of it. I mean, you could you could really just be analyzing for days if you if you wanted to with everything that's available. Is that is that the primary reason why the director of player development was position was created at Charlotte? Just be, because it really is basically a full time job just to just to kind of corral all this data and make some sense of it. For sure, for sure. Um, Coach Woodard, his vision for this program is to be a forward thinking program when it comes to player development. Um, and I think if, if you came out to one of our practices, I think it would be very evident. Um, but what we wanted to do was to make sure we had a position that was able to monitor, track, and implement the technologies that we wanted to do and to use. So um, the addition to Coach Miney is a, is a huge added bonus to our player development from a pitching standpoint. He comes from P3, which is uh, Pitching and Performance Center. Um, 
It's um, it's kind of like a driveline setup, but they got, they are based out of St. Louis. Our pitchers go there to train there in the summer. They're very familiar with Coach Mining, so the addition to him is an is an addition and a a bump up in player development, not only from a pitching standpoint, but from a hitter standpoint as well. And position players, he's a very forward thinking. Uh, individual who has ideas about position players just as much as he has his ideas about pitching. So, um, just, just like adding technology, adding some, adding guys to the staff who are forward thinking and, and buy into, um, our vision for this program is, is just as important as adding any, any piece of technology. There's so many things to touch on here, and and even just with whether we dive into sort of hitting or pitching, but I want to kind of keep on track with this and make sure that we talk about things that are going to help coaches that are listening to this, just to be able to understand and, and use this technology themselves. So Blast, if I'm not mistaken, Blast is fairly, according well, at least compared to the other things you're using, Blast is fairly affordable, correct? What do you have any idea what a price, what the price is for Blast? I know at one point it was $70 for a sensor. Um, if I have, I talk with quite a few of the, um, academies around Charlotte. Um, they've, they've, they follow what we're doing. And I've been asked a question before. What if, if I was to start a program tomorrow or an academy, what's the first piece of technology I would buy? And I always tell them blast because from a, from an affordable standpoint, um, I would say Blast is the easiest to implement and it's the easiest to get your hands on from from a financial standpoint. So with the pre-contact, so Blast is mainly, well, all about the pre-contact data, bat path, time to contact, and some other things that you mentioned. Um, yes. How much of that of that stuff, Coach Simmons, do you relay to players? Do you want players to know or... You know, how often do you just do you, do you just look at it as a coaching staff and sort of shield the players from it, almost so they're not thinking about it too much, so they keep their focus on, you know, making contact with it with a ninety-four mile an hour fastball that's moving down and in on them. Like you know, and there's a lot lots of them to think about anyway. How much of this stuff do you share with players, and how much do you just sort of keep to yourselves as a coach and sort of use them as coaching points without necessarily sharing the actual data with players? Yeah, that's a really good question, and it's a, it's a question we get a lot. Um, there's a there's a fine line, right? So our hitters, the first week they got back, we did a hitting assessment, which is we're just tracking every swing they take. Every game-like swing they take, it's with a blast sensor on and the rap soda running. At the end of that week assessment, we give all of our hitters a um, a kind of – a graph and charts of their swing. Uh, we call it our hitters report that um, Doc Benny Rodriguez, who is our um, data guy on the on staff, he does a great job helping me create those reports and taking that data and put it in usable terms for our guys. So for the blast, we use graph charts and we track it over different months. So when they came back, we gave them uh, graph charts of where they where their swing was when they left and where it was this past week, and it kind of gives guys an idea of, hey, when I left here, my attack angle was at an eight. I came back, my attack angle was at a twelve. I need to flatten my swing back down. Or when I left here, my time to contact was was this, and now it's longer. I need to really focus on that. So it helps us give guys ideas of where their focus needs to be until we can get that metric into the parameters that, that we want to see. So you've got a you've got a data guy as well that helps you. What, what exactly does he do for you? Does he help you interpret data or just help you put it in a, have it, have it make so, sense for, to the players? Yeah, another great question. So it's a little bit of both. Doc B is at all of our practices. Um, he's usually the guy running the, running the iPads, setting up the technology, um, and, and kind of interpreting the guys on the spot if I'm not around. He's, he's a full-time member of the staff, man. He, he's a professor here. We've been really fortunate to, to have him and have him available, um, almost, almost at, at a, at a whim, right? I mean, he's one phone call away. I called him yesterday and I was like, Hey, um, all the data is being uploaded. 
let's go ahead and start creating some reports and the next day he sends me the bar graphs so he he's been an outstanding addition to to our player development as well and he, he doesn't i can't i can't stress enough how how vital he is to this program and he doesn't get enough credit for that because he's everything he does is kind of behind the scenes but I, the guys love him and um, he's always around, so he d- he does a little bit of both to answer your question. But um, mainly, he helps me extract the data from from the Blast website, the Rapsodo website, and uh, put it into charts and our kind of our data hub that we've created for our players. That's <laughs> just really cool. Like, what amazing resources you guys have there! Uh, it's 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 amazing, and it's and it's probably necessary obviously like every person that you're talking about that you're adding just adds another element of of what you guys can do and and how you can help your players and um just how to make the most out of this out of the tech because so many i think a lot of programs out there have a lot of the tech that you do but they just they don't know how to do as much with it as they should or they don't know exactly how to use it to their best advantage and the fact that you've got all these people that are on staff that um that's their primary job is pretty incredible. So so that's Blast, and that's a lot of what you do with, with Blast. Um, when you give the Blast, the, the hitting reports to just to hitters, we'll just kind of stick with hitters for the time being. When you give these reports to hitters, h- how much do you think they look at it? Like, do you have, uh, I'm assuming that you have some guys that really dive into it and some guys that don't as much that, that just sort of say, do, do you have guys on staff that so, or on, your, on the team that sort of say, Man, I think I'm better off if I just don't look at this stuff. Or do you think does everybody, to a degree, appreciate and and value what they're getting from these reports? Everyone, everyone to a degree evaluates the data, or not evaluates. They appreciate the data that they're getting. Um, some guys dive into it a little bit deeper than others. They um, they have a better understanding of what they're looking at, what they're looking for. Um, we have we have another group of guys who. They like to look at one or two metrics, like, okay, hey, my attack angle's this, and my time to contact's this. That's what I like. And then we have some guys that just like to view it and move on. Um, and, and each guy's different, and we, we have a good idea of which guys are rich. And um, I mean, I'll, have, I'll have some guys come up to my office, and, and we'll talk about data. We'll break it down. And um, I have some guys that, in passing, we'll talk about it on the field. Um, I have other guys that like to call and talk about it. So... Each guy's different, and we try to um, cater everything to the player. So, how do you how do you interpret that as a coach? So, a guy, for example, that that doesn't pay much attention to it, like are you are you sitting there as a coach saying, like, gosh, you, you don't know what you're missing? Like, you could really make this, uh, so many improvements if you just paid attention to this. Or as a staff, and I'm sure this is a staff conversation. Or as a staff, are you are you kind of like, you know what? He just he doesn't really like it, and that's okay. Like he's he's not necessarily worse off because of that, because that's his personality. Or do you legitimately believe that those guys that don't pay more attention to it, do you sort of try to to nudge them a little bit to look at it more, believing that if they just paid more attention to this, maybe they could make that one adjustment or or see this one thing, this one flaw, um, or this one area they could improve if they just paid attention to it. Like how how as a staff, how as a coach, do you um, do you interpret the players and, and 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 how much they want to look at this data, and uh, especially the guys that don't look at it that much. How, how do you how do you interpret that, and how do you then communicate with the guys, or do you just kind of let it go and let the guys do whatever they're most comfortable with? Yeah. So I think I think step one is to make sure your guys understand what they're looking at. Um, I know I know when I first came um, on staff as the director of player development. Um, I handed out reports day one, and we haven't really we hadn't really gone over what to look for and what they're looking at. So there was some blank stares. So um, I took that. I, I for the next reports, I made sure that the guys knew what we're looking for, and they knew what parameters that kind of we're looking for guys to be in. Um, we have some hitters we want in this launch angle, this attack angle. We have another group of hitters that we want to be a little bit lower and a little bit flatter who are kind of more of our speed guys. So we have to do a good job as coaches, and this and it comes from, a, from an entire staff standpoint, to really 
make sure our guys know what their range is. Um, so we do we do things like optimal launch angles, opti- optimal attack angles for each guy, and that helps them to kind of sift through the data. Um, if if you tell if you tell one of our one of our power hitters, hey, we want you in this range, and they look at the data and they can see, hey, I'm not in this range. Um, then it's easier to interpret than giving them a full report and just saying, "Hey, this is what your report is." Makes sense, and and I was I would assume that most of your guys will look at that and say, "Well, I mean, that, that's to me that's like an obvious thing." It, as long as the hitter knows who he is, I'm sure there yep. are times when a hitter doesn't quite know who he is and thinks that thinks that he is a power hitter, but he's not, or maybe maybe guys that, that make big physical gains that don't realize they could be power hitters. Uh, but let me ask you this question, maybe a strange question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you ever have guys that that hit the ball especially hard, that, that they're maybe their average launch angle, I'm sorry, their average exit velocity, or even their peak exit velocity says that this guy should be a big power hitter, but you just know as a staff he's going to be better with a low a lower launch angle because that's just who he is, despite how hard he's hitting the ball. If we have him hitting the ball in the air more, we think he's going to regress as a hitter. Does that ever happen, I mean, or, or does it always kind of match up that like the 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 average exit velocity is 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 who you need to be? No, it absolutely does. Um, we have we have and you said that question and one particular guy pops in my head. Um, we have one particular guy whose exit velocity is is extremely high. And um, whenever he starts to try to lift the ball and get underneath it, exit velocity goes down and the distance goes down. So we try to just that's one of those guys we have just kind of a line drive mindset with and we just try to tell him hey, knock the knock the fence down. Um, line drives through the fence. We're not trying to get anything extra. We're not trying to get in your air underneath the ball. We're trying to hit line drives and knock the fence down. So for people that hear that, coaches that hear that, some people might be sitting here thinking, well, that guy's not reaching his full potential because if you as a coach, Tyler, if you could figure out how to get him to have the same exit velocity with a little higher launch angle, he's going to be a much better player. Do you think that people that have that mindset are they off base a little bit? And I, I'm, I'm only asking that because I want you know part of this podcast is to help coaches that are listening to this to be the best coaches they can be. And this is where I sort of mentioned earlier that I think some people they they uh, they see this data, but they don't always know the best way to interpret it. I don't don't always know the best way to use the data to help the players get better. Like if a, if a coach heard what you just said and had that thought like you're not doing your job as a coach because your job as a coach is to f- help him to figure out how to have the that max exit velocity at a higher launch angle so the ball goes over the wall more like how would you respond to someone who might have that that criticism so I, yeah that's that's a fair question absolutely um, what I would do is I would encourage if they have the data available to them if they have if they have blast and they have Rapsodo tracking pre and post contact, I would encourage them to look at the launch angle and the distance and the exit velocity. How to how does a, how does the ball come off the bat at a certain launch angle and how much distance is that ball getting? And um, if it's coming off the bat at a certain launch angle with the right exit velocity and the distance, now that's kind of when we sit there and say, okay, hey, this guy can do it in this range. And we, it's not, it's not a, okay, you need to be in a 12 to 13 range. It's, it's more like a 10 to 15. It's, it's a large range. So those guys can go back and look and be like, okay, hey, today I was, it was a lot of 10s today. My swing was a little bit flatter, but it was a good BP round. Or it's hands a little more uphill today. It was at a 15, but I'm still kind of in that range that my coaches want me to be in. Um, and, and how we kind of come up with those ranges is, um, based off the type of hitter, the type of kid, and the, and um, the data, so it's it's using our eyes and the computer and the data all to kind of create this data imprint for our player. So there, um, and that's that's kind of how I would answer that question. Um, I know it seems kind of a generic answer, but it's a little bit of using your eyes, trusting your eyes, and pairing it with the data. So in other words, there's just there's more to it than just getting numbers and saying, "Hey man, here are the numbers. So here's how you have to change." 
because you know to line up with your numbers or to become the hitter that your numbers say you you should be. There's more to it than that, and that's kind of what I wanted to to get to. I mean, you can tell me if this is uh, a uh, not the best way to say it, but I guess I, I just think without ever having used this technology with a hitter, I just think there's more to hitting than than looking at numbers and trying to maximize numbers. Like yeah, I still think there's value in just looking at the hitter and, and who he is and how he can be his best. And maybe maybe with a guy his best exit velocity is gonna be at a lower launch angle and like you said, as you try to you try to increase the launch angle, he just he's just, the hitter's just not built that way. It's just not gonna happen and his the best version of him is to hit line drives around the field. And, yeah, it's not going to be as many home yeah. runs as you'd like, but that's the best version of that guy. So there's more to it than yeah. just than just data. There's still the human element to all this stuff. Absolutely. Some of, some of the best advice I received, and it was, it was kind of the – when I, I received it at the start of becoming the player development here at, here at Charlotte. And um, it was actually – it was at a convention um, that I went to. It was a hitting convention. And they and the blast guys were speaking, and the and all and the the rap soto guys were speaking, and both the common theme was there's not one metric that is an indicator of success. Um, so just because the guy had, hits the ball at a consistent um, exit velocity of a hundred, or he has the perfect launch angle, it's not necessarily an indicator of success. Um, where you start seeing success is when you're pulling all the metrics together and you're working within the parameters that you as a hitter, as a coach, want to see yourself or your players in. It's <laughs> it's so it's such a complicated web in my mind that's that's happening right now. It's it, it's and it's fun. It's exciting. Like I wish I was in a position to be able to dive into some of this data myself. Okay, so we covered kind of blast a, a little bit and kind of what blast does. Um, and blast is just, it's something you put on the knob of the bat, like you said, and it's, and it's pretty, um, it's, it's affordable. How easy is it to look at that data? Like for a novice to look at the data that blast is producing and not know what the heck you're looking at. So it's very easy. Um, you can either do it live as long as you're connected to Wi-Fi. the, um, the data goes live to your iPad and they also have a, um, a feature where you can play the game. You don't need the iPads turned on. You can upload the data after a game. So the data is very easy to to track, to obtain, and to see. Um, their website is very user-friendly. Um, all the guys that work with Blast are, are outstanding. They're all, most of them are former college athletes who, who played baseball, and they understand um, kind of that coaches and players point of view and what we want to see. So, um, I'm a huge fan of blast. I can, I can sit here and, and give positive reviews on them, on them all day long. Does blast give you any sort of post contact data? Like not ball data, but does it give you anything about like extension through the ball, or does there, is there anything that like tells you when your hands start to roll over, or just a- anything post contact that is useful to you that you get from Blast? So they have they do have a post contact feature. Um, what we really focus on is that pre contact, but they do have things. They do have pre contact metrics that can lead to post contact outcomes. Um, they have connection score, so if. If you're not staying connected through the baseball, or if you and they have on plane and off plane efficiency, so um, we know if we're not staying on plane efficiently, we know post contact is not going to be very good. Um, so they have things like that that gives you insight into what post contact is going to look like. Interesting stuff. So Rapsodo now, um, Rapsodo is quite a bit more expensive, but pr- probably gives you. I don't know if it's better data maybe more data maybe more in-depth data but what's what's a typical price if you have an idea just give me a ballpark for a coach that might be interested what's typical ballpark price for like rap soto and you need to get a different rap soto for hitting than pitching correct or can you use the same for both correct no so you have to have both and um both require um an ipad so you can use you can use the same ipad for um both units but not at the same time um i think off the top of my head i think the units are about three thousand to thirty five hundred a piece. 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, the pitching one's a little bit more expensive than the hitting one. Um, so if you wanted to use those kind of, and how we use those is we use the hitting and the pitching and uh, during our inner squads. So we have to have two iPads running for those. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay. And can you give us an idea, what kind of post-contact data are you getting from Rapsodo? Just We'll kind of stick with hitters, that's what we've been talking about mostly. Like, what's the most... Maybe it spits out more data than you use, but what's the most usable data for you that Rapsodo spits out for your hitters? Uh, exit velocity, distance, and uh, ball spin. Okay, exit velocity is pretty self-explanatory. Distance is pretty self-explanatory. What about ball spin? Like, what do you learn from that? So we can learn kind of how guys are coming through the zone based off the spin of the baseball. Um, if we're staying, if we're staying good connection through the baseball, we're on plane with the baseball. We've got a good square swing, then we can kind of see the backspin coming off. If we're cutting through the baseball or rolling over the baseball, that's when we get that side spin and that top spin. Now, is that that seems like to me? Like maybe all data might not be great talking points with players, but that that metric seems like something that you with that players would absolutely want to know and want to try to get better at is creating backspin as opposed to side spin or top spin, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Um when our guys are hitting in the indoor, we've got the rap soto going with either a manager or um Doc B running it and we've got it on our on our um flat screen right next to it and the the top things they're looking at as soon as as soon as they hit the baseball they know they hit a good one they're looking at that exit velocity and the spin because they want to see high exit velocity and they want to see good backspin um you obviously don't want too much backspin that gives us an idea that we're undercutting the baseball we kind of want um we want good backspin and with good direction through the baseball i mean we want if you our guys know when they hit when they hit a ball in the back of the cage and they know they crush it and they hit it ninety five with good backspin, they're excited. So ball spin, like does it give you like the axis of the spin? Does it give you RPMs? Does it give you both? Does it give you more than that? Like what do you what does it give you exactly with ball spin? Yeah. So so for the hitters it gives us the axis and it gives the RPMs of the uh, of the spin. Like what's too high of an RPM for you if someone again, if somebody is Maybe somebody out there is using Rapsodo and they just don't they don't know how to interpret all this data or what to do with it. Like what's what's kind of the sweet spot of backspin RPMs before it becomes like a fluttering sort of fly ball? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I don't off the top of my head, I don't I don't have specific numbers, but I know anything that is drastic, right? So anything that's three thousand RPMs backspin or um, anything that you would kind of see from the pitching standpoint, like, oh, wow, that's insane. Um, it's just, it's same goes for hitting. Um, we want, we want it, if, if I had to stay, I, I don't want to speak off turn or off base here, but 2000, you know, is, is probably decent from a backspin for the baseball. It's going to kind of give that rising effect, but anything, anything higher, 3000, um, you're going to get that kind of balloon effect and just, you're going to be cutting underneath it. Okay. Let's talk about, I want to talk about launch angle a little bit, just because I think that (laughs) it's a term that you hear misused a lot of times. Alex Rodriguez gets a lot of crap because he misuses the term and things like, you know, guys that that are legitimate analysts on like ESPN, just they don't always use that term properly. Can you talk a little bit just about what exactly launch angle is and what exactly, how exactly, again, that you you use that metric to help your players? For sure, for sure. Um, launch angle is something that it's, it's fairly easy. It's very easy to get caught up in. Um, and you're going to hear me use this a lot, um, the, the individual um, and 
each of our each of our guys, every every launch angle parameter, everything we use is going to be kind of specified to that player, to that individual. Um, but uh, it's it's not something we get super caught up in. Um, we do use it to make sure that our guys are staying flat um, flat to the baseball. So so the metric is how the baseball comes off the bat after contact, right? So um, we want to make sure that our guys are are hitting low line drives, hard line drives. We talk about time. We want home runs that get out of the ballpark fast. Um, we, the light tower ones are always great, but man, you know you got it when you hit that when you hit that home run off the scoreboard and the whole and the whole ballpark hits that loud thud. You know you got it. So physics, if I can remember back to physics class, physics tells me that a thirty degree launch angle for any object is how that object is going to travel the furthest but in baseball i don't imagine that you'd want people striving for that so if you actually you know you said now you say low line drives and to me you know personally if i if i was working with a hitter today i would rather use terms like low line drive or like a a line drive that's going to be like head high around the infield or whatever whatever maybe just terms like that as opposed to giving them a, a you know, a number, a, a degree, or uh, a range of degrees they want to be within. But as a coach, obviously, you want to. You're looking at that. You're looking at that data, and you're you're analyzing that. Can you give me like ranges of launch angles that you think are optimal? And maybe let's go from like a guy that is you know doesn't have a lot of power and is a guy with this good good bat to ball uh, skills, a guy that that is going to spray some line drives and get on base a lot. As and and then maybe give me that range. As a uh, yeah, compared absolutely. to the guy who's gonna who who's gonna hit fifteen homers in a college season, which is you know the equivalent to probably hitting forty homers in a big league season. Yeah, absolutely. So um, several guys come to mind. Um, we've got an outfielder who's been in our program for a while. He's very speed speed oriented guy. Can run like a deer. Um, kind of when we talk about him, we're thinking in that kind of three to eight, five to eight range for him. We want him spraying the ball around the infield, keeping those those head level, low line drives. Because um, for him, pop up doesn't get him on base and he doesn't and it does us no good, right? So for that guy, we really focus on hitting those hard, low back to line drives, um, where he can turn singles into doubles and doubles into triples. Um, for some of our some of our other guys who have a little bit more power and they're a little bit um, Got a little more pop in the bat. We kind of look there for that 18, 20, 22 um, kind of range for those guys. We really want those guys to focus on hitting doubles off the wall and pack spinning baseballs out of the ballpark, off the batter's eye, off the scoreboard, um, etc. So those are the type of guys where we allow them to get a little bit kind of higher of a launch angle because we really want those guys to do the most damage in the air. They have the physical power. They have the, uh, the bat speed. Um, they have the just kind of everything you need for those guys to be your power hitters. And that's where we kind of sit down and let them, let those guys have a little bit higher of a launching. Give me a visual for, for the speed guy that you talked about, the guy that really, really runs. Um, you said kind of three to eight degrees. Give me a visual of what a three degree batted ball looks like if I, if I hit a ball directly up the middle and I hit it at three degrees is that going to be at, at, you know at, a, at a, an average division one exit velocity whatever your average velocities are for your guys is that going to be like a one hopper up the middle or what exactly does three degrees look like um so it's it's going to be it's going to be kind of a low ground it's going to be a ground ball um depending on the exit velocity it's going to depend on how hard and how fast it gets up the middle but it's it's going to be a ground ball um and we kind of talk about good ground balls for us, or and, and Coach Robinson, who is our associate head coach, who who works for, who works with our hitters, does an outstanding job. He talks to our hitters all the time. Good ground balls are, are one hop in the infield, and they get to the outfield. Um, they're hit hard with backspin. That's kind of what we want to see. Um, and the exit velocity is going to determine how fast that gets out of the infield. <laughs> What you're what you're saying there is, uh, I just want to make this clear to people that are listening, and I think it's great. I'm not. Uh, please understand that. 
but I think it's awesome that you're saying that. But you're saying that you act, you have, as a Conference USA team, you have players on your team that it is okay for them to hit a two-hopper through the infield. You guys are okay with that. Hey, man, the guys <laughs> getting on base, I'm, I'm always okay with. And I'm only asking that because you know how social media is, and I, I, I bring social media up a lot in these podcasts, but because I, I think that it's important because there are so many – that baseball players, baseball coaches live on social media, and you hear a lot of stuff that can be pretty convincing. And I think one of the things you hear, uh, you know, for young kids all the way through high school kids, is that that ground balls are bad. Ground balls are the enemy. And obviously, nobody wants a rollover, you know, five hopper to the to the third baseman. But um, but I, I think it is important for people that are listening to this to hear someone like you say that a program like Charlotte in Conference USA it's okay for some guys on your team, depending on what kind of hitter they are, to hit a ground ball from time to time. Like, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Is that is that uh, what I'm hearing from you? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, the biggest thing for us is we want our guys to go on base. Um, and, and if you're the type of guy, the best the best way for you to go on base is to hit low-line drives, hard ground balls, and that's the guy we want you to be. Uh, we, don't, we never want any of our guys to be somebody they're not. We're not going to tell... Our speed guy, like, hey, you got, you have to hit doubles in the gaps. You know that's that's asking a kid to be something they can't be, and and we want that. We want our guys to be the best version of themselves they can be. I'm gonna ask you a question. Just a little bit off topic, but it's not at the same time. For high school coaches that are listening to this, on an average, your, your dad's been coaching high school forever. Uh, you played in high school. <laughs> you were there, but you know, for the average high school team, how many guys? on an average high school team should be doing basically anything but that. So I'm asking this uh, in a way that, so obviously on, on, on any team you have guys that, that hit the ball harder than others comparative to your teammates. You know, you have, on a, on every team you have your guys with the highest exit velocity and the lowest exit velocities. But on an average high school team, how many guys actually have a high the, the exit velocity that their goal should be to hit the ball in the air? So if, you're, if a high school coach is listening to this, can you just give that coach... Um, some advice, like how how many guys on your team should really be trying to hit the ball in the air, if any, or is a normal high school team like everybody should be trying to hit the ball at that three to eight degree angle, like like a, basically shooting for a, a low line drive around the field? That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of times, I think and it depends on the high school. It depends on the program, right? There's there's a lot of really good programs in uh, in the Charlotte area that have a lot of really good baseball players. Um, I think as a high school coach, and it is something that, that I would do as a coach, is encourage your guys to be who they are. Um, so if you have the guy who's big, physical, and he has the the power and the and the strength and the physicality to to hit balls in the air and to drive runs and hit balls out of the ballpark, encourage that guy to be that guy and help him to be a better version of that guy. Um, and when it comes to some of the players who are singles and hustle double guys, encourage those guys to be that type of player. Um, I think it's, I think that's very important and that helps create confidence. I know, um, whenever you ask somebody to do something they can't, um, it starts crushing that confidence and, and I don't think you get where you want to be. Um, I know as, if you, if you have a freshman coming into a program, and he's he's undersized, underdeveloped. Encourage him to be the best version of who he can be that day, and he, he may turn into that guy who who's hitting line drives off the wall down the road. And you just have to constantly help him to get to his ceiling. And when he gets there, just be the best version of of him. But you think it's important to coach these guys to be the best the best version of who they are today, as opposed to being the best yeah. player they can be five years from now. For example, a guy, a kid. You know, whose dad is, you know, six foot four, 225 pounds, and is just a physical specimen. Maybe played college baseball, played college football, played, played, you know, professionally somewhere. Uh, but, but, but the kid hasn't reached that physical maturity yet. You know, he's going to get there. Pretty good chance he's going to get there. But like today, he's not that guy. How should you be coaching that kid? That you, you, you have a pretty good idea five years from now he's going to be a beast yeah. and is going to be a, a big-time power guy, but he's not that player today. Like, Who do you need to coach that player to be? Absolutely. That's a great question. You know, that's kind of where the development comes in and putting a plan together for him 
for his development. So, um, and it, and it, it kind of goes into incoming freshmen to college, right? That's where we put that player development plan in for those guys. And we have to help them get better and also be the best version of themselves at the same time. So it walks a fine line. When we're, whenever we're hitting on the field, we want our freshmen to be the best version of who they are that day. And then when we're working in the cages and we're working with the heavy bats and the underload bats, that's kind of our weight room period for the, for the cages. That's when we can start adding strength to their swings, adding bat speed, and start progressing them to where we want to ultimately get them. Great answer. A couple more questions for you, Coach Simmons, before I let you off the call here. Do you think, uh, just with your own team, is it worth it to collect a lot of these metrics and look at metrics in BP, just like overhand BP, not even off of a, of a machine you know, throwing that, that's throwing the ball 90-plus miles an hour, but just like regular overhand BP? Do you guys look at data for that, or do you, are you just saving the data and the metrics for live against live uh, arms uh, and or like a machine that's throwing at – normal game velocities that's another great question i'm glad you brought this up because it actually brings me back to um something i forgot to hit on with blast and also with rapsodo so each of those things have the availability to tag your sessions um so with with uh rapsodo it has the option to tag t a t option a live option and i believe it also has a like soft toss or front toss option and so those swings will be put into that category. So when you go back to look at it, your data can be broken down in different ways. Um, the same thing with Blast. So Blast has a lot more tagging options than Repsoto. Uh, Blast has live. It has live pitching machine. It has underhand. It has overhand toss um, and many, many other options. And we always make sure that we're tagging those, those sessions correctly. Um, so we use, we use anytime our guys are hitting with an overhand throw, the blast sensor is on. Uh, whether it's live scrimmages, uh, pregame BP, practice BP, or hitting off the machine, they always have those blast sensors on. And at the end of the day, when we upload that data, we make sure we tag it the correct way so that we can go back. And when we're, when we're creating their profiles, we only extract game like that um, we want to track all the data but when we're breaking it down for our hitters to create a plan for them we only want to extract game like data because that gives us the best insight into their swing so is the value uh, is go ahead i'm sorry if you weren't finished oh yeah so i just was going to finish up with just saying it's we collect it all the time but the value of the data comes more from live game like swings than anything it, is there some value also in just seeing that, like, okay, when a, when when this particular hitter hits off of like underhand front toss, he just doesn't take the same swing he takes in a game? Do you ever pull that data as well? And just do you ever have that situation where you you like a hitter maybe doesn't do something? A hitter doesn't take swings off of uh, underhand front toss or doesn't take swings off of this or that because it it's just not his game swing, and you almost don't want him to take those reps because they're they're probably not creating good habits for him. Does that ever come into a, come into a play? So it does, and we do see difference in data when it when you come from off the tee into front toss or slide. Um, we don't ever tell our we don't ever tell any of our guys that they can't hit off the tee or they can't use front toss. Um, we're uh, we're big on routines. We want all of our guys to have a specific routine that's catered to them that helps them get ready for the day. Um, so some guys, that routine um, has front toss and it has machine work. For some of our guys, it has front toss and um, T. And this, for some of our guys, it just has machine work. It just – a lot of our guys, they create their um, their routine with Coach Robinson. Um, we have some guys that love the T, some guys that hate the T. Um, and it, it's just kind of based off what they like and what their needs are. But uh, to answer your question, we do see a difference in swing data from underhand toss to live in I just I, I thought about that question because I thought of a player that I used to coach that really did not like hitting front toss. And I always thought that there was value in it for for a number of things, but he was always like it's just it's not a like a game like angle that the ball's coming in and he just really kind of balked at hitting 
front toss, although I thought it did his swing good personally, but I, would, I wouldn't I would mind, like I'd love to go back and just look at some data from that and see uh, just what his you know, what his front toss swing was like compared to his overhand BP, compared to his live swing, and, and maybe see if maybe he was really on to something. And um, maybe as a coach we could have done something a little different, a little better for him. Uh, one last question that I have for you is just, uh, I don't know, just, just trying to get to the – get as much, I guess um, – Use out of this, out of data, and about this whole conversation as possible. Do you ever have situations where guys take step backwards because of data? Like, for example, with blast, uh, blast tracks their the, like their their bat path and their time to contact. So a guy maybe at some point realizes his time to contact is longer than it should be and he needs to kind of quicken that up. But maybe in doing so, something else goes adrift somewhere and his swing actually gets worse. His, uh, you know, his, his, his average exit velocities get worse. His hard contact rate gets worse because he's trying to change this one other thing. Is that something else that you need to be cautious about or does that... Is that not something that, that really happens much? It absolutely is. Um, we try to combat that with just not focusing on one specific metric all the time. Um, attack angle is very important to us. Launching, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, exit velocity, uh, launching, those are all very important to us. But we try not to just super focus on one and make sure that the whole picture is what we want to see versus just one specific metric. Um, I think if you get kind of single metric happy, that's when you can start to kind of see that. Um, if you're only focused on watch angle or um, attack angle, exit velocity, I think that's when you can kind of run into some issues, and that's when you'll start seeing other parts of the swing um, change. There's just there's there's so much um, that that I just think is so cool about this topic, and this was a really interesting conversation. That I'm glad we had you on, and I I mean maybe in a year or two we'll have you on here and we'll be talking about completely different uh, types of tech that you guys are using. But this is Tyler Simmons, everybody. He's the director of player development, uh, as well as the catching coordinator. But we talked mainly about his. Uh, position as director of player development today he's at charlotte in conference usa obviously in charlotte north carolina uh coach simmons this has been awesome it's been a a very fun and enjoyable podcast and i just want to thank you i know that you're at the time of year right now where you have guys on campus you're practicing but you still took the time to be on the podcast with us today so i appreciate the time very very much i appreciate you having me i enjoyed it i would love to hop back on in a few years and and talk about how things have changed and, and where we're at in the game then Yeah. Thanks again and best of luck to you.